Welcome back to another episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast, where we're discussing the two greatest generational gifts, raising a family and leaving a legacy. If you would, please like, subscribe, and share our podcast with others so we can help educate more people. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you back to another episode of Mastering Money for Moms. And I'm super excited about today's guest, Becca Tenner. She is here today to talk about one of the most important things to carry us through our entrepreneurial journey in life, and that is having good health. She is a life expert on health. She helps people take care of themselves and get the best quality of life out of their daily living by helping them integrate good, healthy practices. She also is um, really well-known in her industry for putting in best practices of, of different systems. And we all know as mothers, systems are critical to the success of our family and just getting through the daily demands of being a mom and running a, ha- a household. And I think everybody on this podcast could appreciate and agree that in many times we're the CEO of our families and we're running our kids around, we're running our finances, we're running, we just, ha- we wear so many different hats. And as a result, um, I'm in a phase of my own career where I'm realizing I can't be in reactive mode anymore. So I was super excited that I got to meet Becca at a similar mastermind we're in. It's called Live Out Loud and, or excuse me, it's called Elite Mastermind, but we met through the Live Out Loud conference. We were both attracted to living out our lives with Christ as our center and our foundation. And so when I heard she is a systems guru and a health expert, I said, I have to have her on. And so without further ado, Becca, welcome. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm so honored to be here. And um, I love the concept of your podcast. And as a mom and someone who believes in healthy finances, I'm just really excited to be here today. Well, good. I know last week you were presenting and you were doing seven nuggets. I I may just butcher the title. So correct me if I, it was seven keys or seven principles. Can you elaborate what that was that you were talking about? Sure. So my husband and I have built a a nationwide health coaching practice together for the last 13 years. And then we've had, you know, concepts and principles that we've practiced as we've raised our children in this lifestyle business. And um, so he wrote a book, it got launched in November, and it's called The Seven Disciplines of Uncommon Freedom. And so it talks about faith, family, business, spirituality, marriage, parenting. So basically, it covers kind of the holistic view of the person. And under the guy, under the umbrella of uncommon freedom, which we believe is the freedom to do what you want, when you want, with whom you want. And then because we're Christians, we think that it needs to have a kingdom perspective. So we're not just building a selfish life, but we are building a life where we have a lot of options and freedom if we follow these principles over time. Oh my gosh, that is beautiful. Um, is that something that you took a role in writing with him? Um, clearly you're having a very successful marriage. How many children do you have also? I, I didn't even discover that yet. I'm curious. That's okay. 
So we've been married for 25 years. We celebrated this August. Um, and so we really grew up together. We got married at 21 and, um, and we have four children ages six to 16. So we're parenting from kindergarten to high school right now, which is a crazy, fun, messy, beautiful adventure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, our, yeah. our stories are similar. I married my high school sweetheart too, got married at 21 as well. Love and we have, and we have four children too, but ours mm -hmm. are all there. We, we had four, six and a half years of age, um, in that little gap wow. there. But, um, I love that you're on fire for the Lord and you're doing this together and you're building this financial freedom for your families. So are, is he engaged in your healthcare business? And what does that look like? What, tell me about an, a day in the life of Becca. Oh, goodness. Well, it's quite, we call it the integrated life, right? So it's a mixture of mom, wife, uh, business coach, and then all the other adventures that God has us on. Um, but 13 years ago, I had had three little boys in four years. So I had some baby weight. But what I really wanted to do is I wanted to find something I could do from home around my family. So I wasn't leaving the home to go back to work. I was a former school teacher and I had a friend who was helping people get healthy at our church. And so I said, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm curious. Uh, I discovered the health plan that she was coaching. I did it myself back in 2011. And then I started helping my dad as my first client. He's going to be 75 next uh, next month. And so really watching him age well has been beautiful. And then I started helping people and just fell in love with coaching one client at a time. My husband was a police officer at the time. And so he was just gone a lot. And I was trying to make enough in our budget to take him off of overtime so he didn't have to continue working these long hours and crazy shifts because our boys were little. They were three, two, and two months old at the time. So we had three close together and then a big gap before our daughter. Um, and so when I started coaching and I started helping people, I just, again, fell in love with helping people. Then I had other uh, clients of mine and friends who were like, I want to do this with you. And they became coaches with us. And so we built this business um, together. He basically came home from the police department at the age of 35. He retired. And so uh, we've been building this together for most of the last 13 years, and it's beautiful. We both work the business. We have offices next door to each other, but we don't work like, you know, in touch with each other all day. So some people say, how do you work with your spouse? And it's like, well, you know, we see each other off and on, but we coach clients separately and we lead our lives and have a lot of uh, freedom and autonomy, which I think is part of the beautiful balance of working together, but also, you know, having a shared mission, but some space. <laughs> so that's. Uh, a day in our life is, you know, today is my day to check in with clients and it brings me enormous joy. I, I call my clients. It's about a 10 minute call per client and we celebrate their wins and we go over their goals and I help them through hurdles and I answer questions. And the beautiful thing is it's not my journey. I don't own it or carry it, but I'm just empowering them and I'm giving them tools. And it's quite joyful, you know, for the most part, because helping people get healthy, we call it getting your body on mission because where we, how we steward our physical health translates into almost every other area of life and improved health improves so many other things that we touch and put our fingerprints on as moms and as humans and as parents and all of those things. So. Wow. Um, again, it goes back to being a mom. You're the CEO of your household in many cases, and you're putting on so many different hats through the entire day. Um, I love your heart though. You clearly want to help other people reach their full potential. And I think having a mindset that's healthy is one of the best things you can do for yourself as a mom. 
and making sure you put on, I, I always say, I love the line that the airlines use, put on the mask on yourself first when the plane's going down, because otherwise you can't help anyone. And so one of the things I like to do, and I'd be curious, I know as all of our listeners are trying to raise their family, it's been really important to me that I get up first thing in the morning and I get my workout in before the kids get up and get going. Now that doesn't work for everybody. Um, you know, I also like to have time with the Lord. So what has been, what has worked for you? Because I'm sure my listeners feel the same way that they know that they need to be taking care of their body, but fitting in time for themselves is so difficult. So what, what have you found works for the majority of your clients? Oh, such a great question. So there's a couple of layers. I mean, one is to look at the season of life that you're in, right? So if you have young kids at home still, you're, it's going to look different than when your kids go to school or when you are an empty nester. Um, and so, and then the other thing is look at the rhythm of your body. You know, I'm a morning exerciser as well. If I don't get it done by like eight or 9 a.m., it almost never happens because I want to be cleaned up and ready for the day. My husband loves to exercise at noon. And if he doesn't get it in during the day, he'll do it at like eight o'clock at night, which I hate the idea of doing, but he just prefers to do it later in his day. So just knowing kind of what your preference is, also what works with your family schedule. And then um, for me, again, it's creating those micro habits. So small wins throughout the day. What can I be consistent doing? You know, Atomic Habits is one of my favorite books. And it's because it talks about habit stacking, right? So, you know, don't try to create 15 different new habits for yourself. Pick one new thing to work on and then find a way to attach it to something you already do. So I have a very similar routine in the morning. Every morning I do almost the same things, you know, devotional, vitamins, drink the same things, stretch, do a workout, you know, and then I get back and clean up and then I start the rest of my day. And I have the same kind of wind down routine at the end of the day. So I rarely do important things past 9 p.m. if possible, because my brain has already started to shut down because I'm teaching myself in that twilight hour to prepare for bed and good sleep. Now, you know, raising teenagers, the very difficult part of that is they never want to go to bed early. So that's created a little, you know, dissonance right now in that season. But yes, moms almost always put everyone else first. And the more I coach uh, myself and other moms, I know that when we are willing to create that space, say it's not selfish to take care of ourselves, the better we show up for the rest of our family. When we're eating well, when we're hydrated, when we're sleeping, when we have a good process for moving through stress and having a way to, you know, make sure that we're taking care of our mindset. We just can't do it all. And a lot of moms are fueling on caffeine, sugar, and wine. And then they just are powering through, but they don't really enjoy or they don't really have, they're not thriving. They're just surviving. And that's not what God created us for. And so one of my favorite things is when we help moms get healthy, most of the family tends to follow. Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, and I will tell you that as a mom of young children, I used to take the kids to the gym because I needed that for my own mm. mental health. I needed as much for my physical health. But what I found is when I didn't do it, my mental health suffered. And what's been so fun to watch is as our kids have aged and now they're in their 20s, they all love to work out. And it's yes. because I demonstrated what it looked like as a young mom and how to take care of myself all these years. And so they have 
continue to do that. And I think we can do that in all phases of our life, right? We can do that around um, our walk with the Lord. We can be doing that in business, you know, how, however you show up, you know, but I do believe that um, putting your health first is one of the most important things because it bleeds over, like you said. Um, so if a mom can get healthy, the rest of the family will follow. Yeah. And I love what you said about, you know, you took the kids to the gym. That was how you got that space in. And so I've done the same thing. I've, you know, paid for childcare when I could afford it. I've done exercise videos at home when I couldn't afford it or didn't have the time and the kids were crawling all over me. And it's like, you're weightlifting with your children. Um, and then there's times I've gone to the gym because there's great play dates for them. That getting creative as a mom is so important and committing to the process and not letting your kids be your excuse, but letting your kids be your reason for pursuing health is such a big part of, I think, the journey of knowing that it's not selfish again. And it's so important to set those set those things. They're watching you. They're listening to you, like you said. And even with our faith, I feel like faith and health for me are two things that I can't control the outcome of what my kids will do as an adult, but I can imprint on them and I can teach them and I can model for them the reasons that we love Jesus and we care for our bodies. And I know that they're catching so many of those things, even if it, you know, some of them are taking breaks in their, some of their healthy choices in their teenage years, but they're actually not that far away. And they're going to come back, I think, as they navigate it in their own identity. Yeah, th that's so good. Um, so my sister was here this weekend, as I mentioned earlier, and she is raising two young children right now. And she was mm -hmm. telling me about her busy day. And I remember being in that season and she said, how do you fit the Lord in? I mean, where, where can I fit the Lord in? Cause as soon as my kids hear me get up, they just have that intuition that mom's up. I get to get up now. Mm -hmm. And even if you try to carve out getting up two hours early, they still know. And so I said, well, as I, what I've witnessed in my own life is my kids have modeled my exercising, the importance of that. But what I neglected to do is open up the Bible and let them witness me in the Bible every day. And so as I reflect back, I think I could have been doing that when they, the kids got home from school, or I did do that in their high school days before they were going to school, we would pull out the Bible and we, we, we would read Proverbs or Psalms. And so I did build that routine. But as far as some of the other routines, is there anything you're doing to cultivate a relationship with the Lord? And where they can witness that and you can see that that's being carried out in their own life? Wow, great question. I feel like at this stage, I'm learning to not have the Lord in like a box that I check off in the morning, which I'm an achiever personality. So it feels good to be like, yep, I did that. But I think my relationship with the Lord has trans translated so much in the last year, really, to be being that he is my best friend. And so I want to walk and talk with him all day long. And actually, that's what I'm saying to my kids now. I'm actually saying, I just want you to, I want you to realize how loved you are by God and that you can walk and talk with him all day long about the big things, the little things. And I'm modeling that by just saying, let's pray about that for a second. And, you know, let's have a conversation that steers back towards what God says about you or when you're worried about something, or even our kids were arguing in the car on the way to church yesterday. I'm sure every family can relate to like, it was our two youngest. And they're oil and water at this age right now. And it was like, you know, you're going to church and you're like, I love Jesus. And the next minute you're like, whatever, everyone just shut up is how it feels. 
Um, but I just turned around in the car and I was like, I kind of just spoke the name of Jesus. And I said, you guys, right now, the spirit in our car is just not healthy. There's a spirit of dysfunction. There's a spirit of like, you know, it's like there's little spirits like nitpicking at each other. And I want it gone because God is a God of peace. And so I said, can we just be peaceful? And I prayed. And I would love to say like my kids transferred into these beautiful angelic people. They didn't. But I'm just reminding them that they're spiritual at their age. I'm not going crazy into spiritual warfare, but I'm reminding them that like there are there's atmospheric things happening with how we relate to each other. And if all we do is rely on ourselves, we're going to fail every time. And so I think I'm just trying to personalize my faith more than making it rigid and it has to happen in a certain box or a certain time because the parenting seasons are messy and I just am embracing that it's okay if it doesn't look perfect. We've always read the Bible to our kids at night. And so that's a practice that we did when they were little. Um, I'm sending prayers to my, a couple of my teenagers that are not, in, you know, they're living somewhere else right now and working at a church for a little bit. So I'm texting them prayers. I think what I would say with almost everything, health and faith is that it's flexible, but not optional is how we live our life. So I don't put it into a box, but I also know the value of having it happen day in and day out all the time. But I'm, I'm learning to be a little more open with that so that I can express it, I think, wherever it needs to go. I don't know if it's right or wrong. So, you know, I'm very early in this this journey, but it it's a little bit releasing to me as a person and as a mom to feel like I don't have to do it perfectly. I just need to do it consistently. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And what I heard out of that that was the most important is it's flexible, but it's not optional. It It is a must in our daily life. And I can say as a Christian growing up, we were Sunday Christians, right? And there were things pressed upon my heart that my parents taught me and that we lived out daily, but we weren't talking to the Lord out loud, you know, to and from school and to and from practices. And I think as I think our generation has done a much better job realizing that we need to be walking with the Lord every single day and that he's truly the CEO of this household. And, um, you know, I always envision he's right here next to me in this chair. We're just yeah. having a dialogue all day long. Um, so it. thank you for sharing that with us. Let's jump over to finances because, as you know, my my podcast is called Mastering Money for Moms. And I came up with that because my own grandmother married three different men over her lifetime because she didn't feel like she had the skill set to care for her own children. Mm -hmm. So she did it out of necessity. And I'm sure there's listeners out there that have felt like they don't, they're not equipped with the skill set to care for their family. And so when I look at you and your husband and you've united and you were able to bring him home, that is a powerful statement. So what would you impart upon my audience? Um, you know, for those people that are out there thinking they'll, they'll never be Becca. They don't have the skill set she does. You know, they're not equipped. Is there anything you could impart upon them? Yeah, I would say don't try to be me. I sure I certainly don't have it all figured out, but also um, I'm learning in this season with God too that um, to just be comfortable with who I am. And so I would encourage each of you, God made you so unique 
And the areas that I was weak in early, you know, again, having my husband, walking with the Lord, all of those things have kind of grown me. I was not financially savvy early on. I mean, I was this, I am the spender in the family. So I would much prefer to spend than I would to save. I married a saver, so that's very helpful. But when it comes to finances and when it comes to, you know, owning that part of our household, the biggest word that comes to mind is stewardship, which fits right into our health journey and everything else. It's just knowing if I want to be able to do some type of impact in the world, which is something we discovered early on, once we got kind of through like the early years of let's just get by in life, let's just survive. We realized, wait a minute, we get one precious life. And if we're going to live this full out, we want to create impact with people, whether it's big or small. And so we started to practice stewardship, which was like, Early on, we were living on love, literally, because we didn't have any money. We were in college, but we were just committed to tithing. We were committed to a compassion child for $25 a month. Well, honestly, we didn't have it, but we just committed to it. And what's happened is over time and practice with God, we just continue to say, it's all yours to start with. So if I'm willing to trust you with it, then many times God has been willing to trust us with more. And it's been this beautiful dance back and forth of like, we give it out, he pours it back. We give it out, he pours it back. Um, but I have had to learn, again, to follow a budget, to li live within our means. We're very committed to not living in debt, to having really any debt at all, um, because we just know the power of money in our hands is amazing, an amazing tool. You know, I think it's Francis Bacon that says it's a, um, it's a poor slave, but a good Master, I think is how it's said. In other words, you don't want to be a slave to money, but if you can master money and control it, maybe the best way to say it, and this is something we say in our business, money is neutral. It just makes you more of what you already are. So if you're generous and you have more money, you're likely to be generous. If you're someone who's hung up and stuck on money, many Christians are afraid to make money or manage money because it feels like it's awkward. Listen, kingdom things take money. And so if that stewardship principle gets sewn into you early if you're willing to steward it and you can create more income then it's just more impact which i get really excited about because there's so many things i want to do in this world and they take finances so that was a little all over the place i don't know if that even answered your question no that was so good um yeah i was raised with scarcity mindset and yeah. that we did, we are to be prudent but I'm realizing now that you can't bless others when you have fists that are clenched Right. And the only way God can flow through you to touch other lives is if you open it up and it flows this way. And once I realized that um, my tithing, it completely changed. And and that. it may have been you that I heard say, it's not how much we give, it's how much God allows us to keep. Mm, that was not me, but I love it. I love that. Yeah, because He everything we have is from him. Right. So if we acknowledge that and say, Lord, you know, thank you for giving me all this. Now, what am I supposed to keep of it? That that's a different perspective. And it's not until we started giving at 10% and greater that God just really turned on the fire hose. And then I was like, whoa, Lord, this is an incredible blessing. And just show me, show me where you, you want me our resources to go. Um, so now we have an abundance and, you know, a cup over overflowing. Right. And so I'm learning to try to be a better listener so that I can put those, those, those funds towards whatever he's calling us to do. 
So it, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a beautiful journey. I didn't find real estate until eight years ago, but um, it's been very, very rewarding for me and my family and for others. But um, so one of the things that attracted me to you during our elite mastermind conference just a few weeks ago is you st stood up and you started talking about the four quadrants that I had just recently heard others talking about. And for me, um, a lot of times real estate, I'm very reactive, like a renter, there's a pipe that busts and I've got to go over there and, you know, send somebody. So it's a very reactive mode. So I always love being in a, a different quadrant that allows me to be creative and abundance and expansion mindset, right? So when you got up there and were sharing systems, um, I'm just kind of curious, did you learn that? And sh would, wouldn't you, would you please share a little bit about what the quadrants are? Sure. So I think, you know, so many of us want to manage time. And yes, that is valuable, especially if we're parents and we're working from home and things like that. But it's not even about managing time. It's about managing our energy. And then what I love is the more I studied and learned about this, it's actually learning to multiply time, which just got me so excited because managing time is like, sure, we all need to do that. We have the same 24 hours. But what if I could multiply time? And it was just looking at people who learn to multiply time they think about their time and task management very differently than the average person. First of all, it's, it's being willing to say, you know, multitasking is not a true thing. Multitasking is stopping and starting over and over and over again, and it breaks up your flow. And so the only thing I multitask is when I'm doing something completely mindless like laundry and then listening to a podcast, which is personal growth at the same time. But if I'm trying to do two important things at the same time, I'm very inefficient. So the quadrants, again, it's the Eisenhower matrix. You know, I didn't make it up, but I just have used it in my life. It's urgent and not urgent is one section. And then down the other side is important and not important. So quadrant one are urgent and important. These are things that we personally need to be doing, usually in our household or our business. They need to be done right away because they are urgent. So this could be deadline-driven projects, um, certain emails that you need to do, tax deadlines, you know, things that have to get done immediately. And we're usually the ones to do it. Quadrant two are urgent, or excuse me, yes, they're not urgent, but they are important. So these are things we need to schedule. And this is where if you're already a very systems person, you probably have it like, well, when it comes onto my calendar, I just do it or I schedule it. But our free-flowing friends are more, you know, spirit-led creatives. They can know that those things are coming across their plate, but they actually don't schedule them. And that gets all of us in trouble because when we don't schedule quadrant two, they become quadrant one emergencies. And this can be things like, you know, long-term planning, your exercise routine. We take our kids on a monthly date every, every month. And so those are on our calendar. They're scheduled. They're not urgent, but they are important to us. Quadrant three is not important, but it is urgent. And those are what you probably deal with a lot in your business. And maybe, you know, you're able to delegate some of those things, but we delegate most of those things, you know, emails that come up, creating, uploading videos, creating graphics, anything that my husband and I can delegate within our household or our business. We, if we don't, if it does not bring us joy, we try very hard not to do it unless we're experts at it because it's just not worth it to us. And then quadrant four is obvious time wasters. Most of us know we have those, but they're not urgent or important. And yet we can tend to spend most of our time right there. What was really interesting is you have the quadrants. That's great. But a researcher figured out that if you also think about the significance factor, like how long into the future is something going to matter to me? then it helps you make even better decisions. So I think about, you know, 
who, who cuts my grass? Who, am I going to care who cut my grass in six months or six years from now? Now we are training our kids to be responsible. So I take that into account. But outside of that, I don't really care who cuts my grass in six years from now. So we delegate something like that so that when that grass is getting cut, my husband's throwing the football with our son or I'm playing you know, cards with my daughter. And that sort of helps us within our household manage how and where we spend our time. Does that wow. make sense? Yeah. Oh, that's I so... could talk forever, but I don't want to go into too much detail. So No, that was so good. The fact that I'm just learning about this quad, these quadrants is mind boggling to me. You know, it's the stuff we didn't learn that we really needed. I needed this stuff probably about 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? Really, I probably needed it in high school. I was going to say every young adult really needs to learn this, right? Because it all feels urgent. And so we try to do all of it and then lots of it falls off and doesn't get done. And yeah, it's almost like a life skill we should just learn in high school to college age. Yeah. And I'm finding now that I'm in my 50s that there's a lot of things that seemed so urgent so many years ago that I'm realizing, yeah, they don't need my time and attention anymore. And they were never income producing. So they right. certainly really, really don't need my energy or attention. So, you know, as we age, we get a little more wisdom and we realize, okay, some of these things that I thought were urgent and important really aren't. So I like the whole paradigm behind looking six years out. Is it really going to be important to me? And if so, then that needs to continue to be important, you know, in that quadrant that you were referring to. So, um, can I add to something real quick, please? Yes. So, and part of it is again, cause we're talking to moms. If you think about what you want your family life to be like, if you want to, what you want to create and be known for, it helps you define how the things go into these categories. So when I think about my husband and I, we decided we want to raise responsible contributing, well-adjusted adults to the best of our ability, not necessarily happy kids. Now we want our kids to be joyful, but our goal is not to please our kids. Our goal is to raise them to have work ethics. So when it comes to things in our household, like we have housekeepers that come, but they don't clean our kids' bedrooms or bathrooms. Our kids do that every week because despite, or, or even though we're blessed with a lot of finances, we're not, we're trying very hard not to raise, raise spoiled children. And so when we think about who we're raising and what we're creating in our family life, our lifestyle design, that informs what we delegate and what we don't. So we don't delegate dishwasher, trash, any of those things that, well, we do delegate them actually to our children. And our children do those chores and some things they do in our household just because they're part of the family. And some things they do on a chore chart because our goal is to teach them if you work, you get paid. If you don't work, you don't get paid. And so we're training them on what, how to be good employees, how to be good, how to hold responsibilities. And so we've created a structure in our home, a system for that on a chore chart that they do throughout our household. So again, we delegate to our children, not necessarily to an outside source, because our goal is to raise responsible children, not just happy kids. And so also, if you kind of, if you start at the beginning, what do you want to create? It will help you figure out what am I going to delegate? What should I do myself? Um, and it just sort of defines the values that go behind just that beautiful quadrant, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, it's kind of like writing a birthday or you have your 80th birthday party. What do you want people to say about you? And mm -hmm. so that was one of the things uh, our parenting skills are very much aligned. We were probably some of the only 
parents that had their kids doing chores regularly because like you, we wanted them to understand the importance of having a blessed life. I mean, God's given us a lot and he expects a lot from us. And I'll just add on to this. So our, so our listeners, this is one thing that I think, okay, God implanted on me or imparted on me. And um, somehow I just conveyed it in such a way, my kids, uh, I, you know, I never wanted to walk into their bedroom and find their clothes all over, you know, cause you know, girls can be in their teens that that doesn't look good on me. They rip it off, throw it on the floor, try something else. And I said, I, I got to a point with one of my children that I said, you know, God gave you this space right here and God will never promote you or give you more. If you can't take care of your bedroom, your closet, your clothes, and that goes for the car you're given and you drive it, it's up to you to take care of it, to clean it out, to not make it look like a drive through You know, mm -hmm. those are so important. And I'll tell you now that my, you know, as my kids were growing up, I started to witness them caring about that stuff because they wanted expansion in their life. They wanted more. Mm -hmm. And it goes for whatever, right? God blesses us with. And so he can't give you more if you don't care the care for the fruits he gives you. So, yes. um, I, I love what you're doing. Uh, they're going to be amazing people. And I just, it, it's, it's so fun when they finally get to be in their twenties and they, they call you and they say, thank you. Mm. I, I'm, I'm realizing now that nobody, my son called me and said, mom, None of these frat guys know how to clean a toilet. Nobody knows how to clean anything. Right. And I, I just was like, oh, I know yeah. that that's a, burden, that's a burden for you, but I am so proud of you because you yeah. learned the good lesson at home. And I think so. people, parents really underestimate what their kids can do. Like our daughter, Edie's been doing her own laundry and helping with the dishwasher since she was four. Now she doesn't put the soap in, but she loads it and she throws it up to the other dryer. You know, she can, it's fun. She's been unloading the dishwasher, you know, and making her bed and learn to vacuum her room. And she's six years old. And I know parents that are making the lunches and doing all the chores for their teenagers. And again, as a loving mom, I do desire to bless them and help have that connection with them. But again, what kind of employees, what kind of roommates are they going to be at some point? And we even had a conversation with one of our sons who had an older car that we matched him on and he bought it and it wasn't what he really wanted. It's what he could afford. And, you know, he dinged it up a little like many new drivers do. And he was like, well, I will take better care of the, the next car I get when it's a nicer car. And it was such a great opportunity to say, that's not the stewardship principle. Again, you take care of what you have exactly like you were communicating to your kids and then you're prepared to take care of something better. But, you know, this culture, our human mindset is sort of like, you know, if it's not my ideal, then why would I care for it? And um, it's such an important value to impart on our kids. And I do think it's part of our mandate as parents. It's just takes a lot of work. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I think we both, I mean, our kids are the best teachers, aren't they? Mm. They, I, I can look back and say, I learned more from my kids than any job I ever had. Yes. And um, they're such a blessing and a gift to us. And um, I, I'm excited for you. 
and the journey still ahead for you. And hopefully I'm going to be blessed with grandkids here within the next five years. We'll see how that plays out. But I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together. I know we didn't talk a whole lot about finances, but I think this is way more important in the grand scheme of things. Um, I think if you take care of your foundation, foundational principles, God will bless you with the finances you need, and you'll be in a much better place to leave a legacy for generations to come. Amen. Thank you so much for having me on. It was such an honor. Yes. Well, um, I'm sure my audience got a lot of great nuggets out of your wisdom. So thank you for being here today. And I hope you have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and leave a rating or review because it helps support the growth of this podcast. Also, I'd be so grateful if you would share our podcast on Instagram and tag me at Mastering Money for Moms so we can grow our community of mothers. We'll see you on the next episode of Mastering Money for Moms.